Welcome to Emil Franzink's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And we are here with another edition of Emil Franzi's The Voice of the West, streaming live to you from the White Stallion Ranch just north of Tucson. Howdy, I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to Francis Howdy. here. And in Los Angeles, our good friend Todd Roberts. Howdy. Howdy. Hello, gentlemen. Well, here we are. You know, Three howdies. Three howdies. Uh, 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 our topic today is going to be Wild West shows. This is a great topic. I think you so. Know, I was want to point something out before we get started. Uh, well, two things. Yesterday was Sherrod's birthday. Happy birthday, Sherrod. Happy, I talked to her yesterday. Happy, but happy birthday, birthday, Sherrod. And uh, the other thing is, you know, we're doing Wild West shows and doing my usual research. I came to the realization that you can't really separate Wild West shows, the old ones, from the circuses. Because almost all the circuses back then, after, after the success of Buffalo Bill... Had, had a Wild a, West show. Had a Wild West component to them, yeah. Before we get into the topic, I just want to tell you, gentlemen, that uh, driving out here today, it was, it was, um, shall we say, there have been things going on that uh, I would rather not see going on, and uh, not exactly powerless to stop them, but uh, yeah, kind of. But when I turned onto the ranch road... To drive into the White Stallion changed, Ranch, every damn thing changed. And it feels like, okay, the world will go, will will spin around as it's supposed to, despite the whiny millenniums, 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 whatever the hell they call them. Despite, millennials, yeah, millennials. Despite the yahoos in the nation's capital thinking that they're legislating when they're only mucking up themselves and despite every damn thing else the world is good we're at the ranch you know that's my, that's that i built you got you're onto something because like when i come turn on to the ranch or when i'm going down to empire as soon as i turn on 80 83 i turn off the radio yeah and yeah. the, when i get back on to 10 or back onto the pavement here i turn the radio back on yeah. and i'm like you the I wish we were still had horses because Yahoo's in these cars. Uh huh. You know, I'm, I pull out of my place today. Yeah. And it's there's a school across the street. It's like one lane, a, a middle lane, which is you know, yellow lines on both sides, so it's only for turning. And then, well, here comes a Yahoo coming off the hill doing about 60, goes around me through the double thing, and it's like. Six six inches away from me yeah. going by. Yeah. Oh, I want it so bad to, yeah, do, I hear to you. do a road reach on them, but yep. you, know, you can't. Well, you know, so with, with that in mind, the world the world is good when we are at the ranch, and by golly, I wish it would be this way. Let's go back time. to the days of Wild West shows and forget the <laughs> Back crap. to the days of the Wild West show. Doggone it. The Wild West show came about why, Bunker de France? Well, it grew out of a lot of things, you know. For one thing, you know, we had... You had circuses which go back to the Middle Ages coming over, which is around the world, China, even in those days. And you had out in the West, can you turn me down just a sure. second? Uh, out here in the West, we had the tradition of the rodeo, which originally was just a bunch of ranches competing with each other. But as it grew, it started becoming more competition. And uh, with Buffalo Bill, and the interesting thing, I didn't realize it, but he spent 10 years 
doing Wild West shows on stages. They were all the components of the of the the, the greater yeah. the greater thing that he became. But and he, it all started with Mid Buntline having doing a play with about him. But the it was that serendipity of Buffalo Bill taking the elements of circus and just adding to them. And you know, just the greatest promoters in the world have always been the circuses, but he was somehow able, and I can't remember the guy's name, his major something was his, his, his uh, advertising guy, was a genius. He still studied today in uh, some universities when they teach about advertising. And But it was that coming together of of all of these Western elements, of the fact that he was reenacting history, he was inventing history, and he was just, all these different elements, it just all came together at the right time and, in, in, you know, in the right era. Todd, what do you think? Well, I think that, uh, I think Bunker is right on, in, in the right, on the right path there because, you know, you were you were at a point in time where it was before the the movie, before that entertainment. So you had uh, you had uh, medicine shows and you had mm-hmm. some circus uh, circus people and you had so that that world was very wide open for entertainment. You know, you had the guys like Tom Hanks's character in uh, News of the World who walked around uh, went from town to town reading newspapers. And but you know yeah you had some entertainment but you didn't have a lot. The market was not oversaturated and because of that there was an opening. And I don't think you know I remember many people saying years ago how um, that you know uh, in regards to uh, uh, Milton Berle how well you know so what he was they call him the king of television because he was the first. Yeah there was a reason he was the first. He created it. He made it happen. And Buffalo Bill is the same because he lived it, he did it, he survived it, and then he was able to take it and, shall I say, regurgitate it in such a way that he could express it and show it. Because it's, you know, for a lot of us, the three of us might sit there and watch uh, uh, paint dry if, if Ooh, Cowboys were painted it on a wall. But the vast majority of the public wants to see something that's interesting, something that's engaging. And he was able to focus that in such a way that he got not just America, but the world to tune in prior to the television. Yeah, I want to build on that. Prior to the radio. I want to build on that. Not just, by the way, and and, and you'll go ahead in a second, Bunker, but all of the monarchies of Europe were interested. They They could see anything they wanted. They flocked to see him. He was the greatest attraction there was. Well, this, this is a thing you you touched on it, but and it played a tremendously important part of it was the medicine shows because one of the stays of the medicine shows back in that time was they put on entertainment and the people that they were bringing in were the frontiersmen, the cowboys, the buffalo hunters, Indians. Indians were a big draw, huge draw, and. This yes. was a huge pool of talent that when Cody started his Wild West, 
they were right there. They were ready, and they were already used to performing before crowds. So, it, again, it was that, that serendipitous moment in time. And the other element, too, is that the dime novels had created such a hunger for anything about the West. It was, it yeah. was like, you know, the pulse of the day. Would you both agree, then, that uh, they were indeed traveling vaudeville performances? Oh, yeah. Yes. So, yes. And, so, and by the way, the pulp novel, as Bunker just said, uh, by Ned Buntline and so many countless others, was the was the written vaudeville show? Yes, that that's that. All of these guys became famous, some by luck, some by design, which were the 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 subjects of these dime dime store novels, these pulp fiction novels. You know, and it's also important to remember that not all of them worked, because Buffalo Bill and Wild Bill Hickok had had a show. Mm-hmm. And it was very successful, but it didn't work because Buff, because although Buffalo Bill could do it, and he could turn it on and turn it off, Wild Bill Hickok could not. He 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 found himself in a juxtaposition of such internal soulful conflict that he didn't know when it was real and when it wasn't. So when he was on, he 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 would have moments of. Uh, shall I say, anger flashes within himself when people in the audience would laugh at him at a certain moment or this or somebody in, somebody in the show with him, Buffalo Bill might say something of a bit of a jab or whatever. He, he might have a little bit of a flinch of, ooh, you know, I don't like that. And that's why he left Buffalo Bill. Well, you and know, the show was because he couldn't. He said, "I can't take. I can't take it anymore." Aside I don't know when it's real and when it's right. A sidebar of that uh, fantasy is that they were doing a show, and you know, because this was when they were doing the stage stuff. Mm-hmm. He was doing a show, and the they had one of the lights on him, and he complained about it. And they weren't doing anything about it, so he shot the light out. <laughs> And that yeah. was his last show. I remember that from the Joel McRae film. Um, John Burke yeah. is the man that you're thinking of, Bunker. Arizona John, Major John M. Burke, yeah. American publicist, manager, press agent, best known for his association with Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. Speaking of movies, the uh, I mentioned the Joel McRae movie of his portrayal of Buffalo Bill. I think that is a fine, fine movie. Well, that's a wonderful movie. Of course, I think anything I by Joel McRae film. is. But I love it, that and was, I've always loved perfect. it. And Much better than Buffalo yeah. Bill and the Indians. Yeah. And that was an interesting show because it showed it showed you actually what a, what his show looked like with the huge arena yeah. and the, the megaphones and the people behind the scenes. But the story, you know, the, the, the Malou was great, but the, but the story and the acting was like, um, well... Okay, bring on the clowns. Well, unfortunately, the 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 real Buffalo Bill was somewhere between the Joel McRae character and the Paul Newman character. Yeah, he was neither wholly one or the other. He was both. Well, you know, he, I think he, he was a chameleon because you look you look at was. him you look at him and he would be scouting for the army, and then he would be doing a show in. in Back east somewhere, stage show, and then back to scouting. Then, no, then he would be on a on a six month hunt with a bunch of European royalty out on mm-hmm. the plains. So you never knew if he was. So you, and you had to be a different person to do each one. Boy, talk about completely being schizophrenic. 
well, I not to mention, I think it's important to recognize that that you know um, he 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 could have had the same, uh, shall I say, uh, paranoia or condition of the fragility of the human condition that Buff that Wild Bill Hickok had, because this is a man who did take the scalp of Yellow Hand who he was very close with and had a relationship with mm-hmm. and was there at, uh, at Warbonnet Gorge. And when he took that scalp, he raised it up and waved it at the cavalry who was behind him and said, you know, the first scalp for Custer, because he knew Custer. And he, he looked at him as a brother. He was constantly caught in the middle of all these different opposing uh, relationships between the cavalry and the Indians and, and this one and that one. And he constantly, as you said, Bunker, he's a chameleon because he was constantly, shall I say, dodging the raindrops and think in about the midst this. of life. Think about this too. You've got here. You've got this guy who actually was movie star handsome. When you look at the early pictures, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And the other thing is that he was so comfortable with a people of a which would have been a higher higher class than what he was at. And when he was a buffalo hunter, we're talking about royalty, theater. Uh, Military, he was just—he was able. He had a personality that Hickok probably didn't have, which was you loved him. You, you just—you wanted to be around him. It was a charisma. He—he he viewed people in the fact that they put their pants on the same way he did, mm-hmm. one leg at a time. He or, also was not afraid to have greater attractions in his show than himself. Yeah. Annie Oakley, for instance, who was the greatest shot who maybe ever lived. Oh, that's, um, he was, and, she and, his and, yeah. and and by the way, Sitting Bull. Yeah. I mean, that was a tremendous, uh, tremendous risk for him to bring Sitting Bull. Although, yes, Indians were tremendous attractions on these shows. Um, you know, people still had felt a dream, tremendous loss of Custer. And you know, Custer was his friend, and he still brought him on the show, and they were friends. They were close friends. They took pictures together. Hmm. Well, you know, I want to I want to kind of shift gears just a tiny bit here because you know during the golden age of the B westerns, uh, from Silence coming into the B westerns, you had five guys that stood out that did Wild West shows. You had Tom Mix, Buck Jones, Ken Maynard. Boot Gibson, Tim McCoy, and a bunch of others that did them, but not to the degree that they did. Mm-hmm. And they all all had a degree of success, except, well, Buck Jones was doing good, but his business manager ran off with all the money, and that was the end of his show. But Well, and the fact that he perished in the 1942. And, 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 and this is the thing, too. When people don't realize how many Wild West shows spun off from the Buffalo Bill because from performers. You know, uh, Beho, uh, great, what's his last name? Beho. Yeah, I get, I get you in just a minute here. I got, I got him right here. I got him right here. Where is he? Ah, he was right here. Jones, you know, Beho, Beho. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. We're looking through, feverishly through our notes. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go without without the last name, but he had he had his own wild show. Beho Gray. Beho Gray. He had he had he was an, a performer for 50 years. Well, he started with well, he started before uh, 
Cody, but he was in vaudeville, radio, stage, movies. He was a trick roper. He was a whip master, knife thrower, equestrian. Uh, I was telling Henry yesterday, there's there's a great picture of him. Uh, with, uh, Eric von Stroheim is making greed. He worked on the picture doing some whip work and knife work, and there's a still of, of Stroheim standing against the wall with knives all around him and him standing there ready to throw another one. But he did, this is a neat thing, too. He, he was a world's champion roper and one of the first. Beho. Yeah, yeah. And, and, isn't he the one who taught Will Rogers? Well, that's what that's what I'm getting to. He he developed a trick that had never been done before. It was called the three rope catch. And what he would do is he'd take a rope, do a head catch on a horse, a body catch with the second rope, and all four legs with the with the third rope. And he taught that trick to Rogers. And they you, were good wow. friends. And you can see that particular trick in act in regular motion as in, as well as in slow motion in the silent the rope and fool yeah exactly you That's can see one. that which they show on a loop at the will rogers museum in the garage that harry and i went to and you can buy the dvd yep. there uh, as well and he does some tricks that are truly truly astounding you can also find the uh, the film at uh, the silent film with the rope and fool at our website voicesofthewest.net and just click on the movies and you'll see it right there and you can watch it and enjoy it because well, I've been meaning to ask you, Harry. You know, I haven't been getting my royalty checks lately. Well, you know, hey, we, we doubled so- the amount. A little something in your feedback oh. uh, for next month. You just not cash it. Yeah. Either that or Noel is intercepting them. <laughs> We're going to do our first commercial break here on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. We are talking about the Wild West show. Yeah. Great stuff. Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient. 
and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Now look here. You fellas come riding here making accusations. You're strangers to me. I don't see why I should take your word against Sharkies. Yeah, how do we know they didn't pull the murder and robbery themselves? So that's it. That's why you're so darn cocky. You think it's your three against one that you... You can't get away with that, Glasgow. We don't bluff that easy. This is the Voices of the West. We don't bluff that easy. We don't that easy. We're back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. You know, the great Harry Carey there, man, and followed by the quick draw McGraw song. I mean, you know, you can't. What else can you do? You well, know? you know, just following along with what it was, five. Wild five West shows is our topic. And, yeah. Uh, Mix was the only one that really had any success. The other guys, was, they just. They were, they were they, not lucky. Mix lasted for a few years. And, you know, early on, he was with the Miller Brother 101 uh, yes. in 1908. Yes. And he moved along. To his, uh, oh, joined the Sam D. Dill Circus. In 35, he bought that circus and continued it as the Tom Mix Circus. And it was a Wild West End Circus combination. And it was the largest and most successful on the road at the time. And uh, Buck Jones, he he was with the Miller Brothers as well. And uh, in 19, 1913, then he went to the Golmer Brothers Circus in 14. And uh, he did a, his first film actually was Life on the 101 Ranch, Bliss, Oklahoma. Let's talk about the 101. Uh, I mean, it's a name that comes up frequently whenever one looks up uh, uh, bios on, on B-movie cowboys. You see that... Uh, so-and-so, so-and-so has been, uh, they performed with the 101, or they were with the one, whatever. The, it was, the 101 was always in there. Well, after Cody, they were the most successful. Let's talk about that. And, you know, and again, there is the same thing. They had such a uh, list of great cowboys and cowgirls working oh, for them. Yeah. They all went on to do other things. A lot of them went into the picture business. Some became stars. Some became stunt people. Uh, the well, ladies, that went, they they made a small fortune in the picture business, uh, doubling the actresses and stuff. They were just well, phenomenal. Well, and, you know, the list of names is very impressive, as you say, Bunker. Lillian Smith, Bill Pickett, Bessie Hirschberg, B. Ho Gray, Tom Mix, Jack Hoxie, Mexican Joe, Ross Heaton, and the elderly Buffalo Bill after his show had collapsed yeah. and he had gone bankrupt. You know, and then... You would think things would change um, because they discovered oil on the ranch, and that only led to the ultimate demise and the closing of the show. Well, you know, let's let's talk about probably the best known of the 101 performers as uh, Rough Riders and stuff, which was the famous Bill Pickett and his brother Ben and Mm -hmm. and two other brothers. But they they went on to form the African-American Black Rodeo and Wild West show. Uh, Voter Hall, who was another brother, 
He was billed with the Wild West shows as the Fiji Indian. <laughs> that was one of the funny things in the first days of the, of the Buffalo Bill show. Uh, the black cowboys were, were prominent. But as the show continued on, they, they disappeared. They became other people. Interesting. Except for the band. The band was still, still Interesting. integrated. Interesting. Well, that reminds me of the great story of uh, Bear Bryant, the football coach for Alabama, the Crimson Tide. And he was always trying to bring in black players, and the, the alumni and the, fa- and, the, and the athletic department would always kill the idea. And, uh, you know, he even went so far as he found a, a young black gentleman who had long hair. And uh, he got him to put uh, uh, some type of slicker in it and slick it back so it was kind of long. And he brought him out <clears throat> there to the to the practice field one year and before, you know, the season really started and they were doing tryouts. And this kid could just run. He was so much faster and greater, quicker than every other person on the team. And he, he brought the guy out and the other coaches were like, Coach, uh, 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 don't uh, uh, don't you think? Uh, uh, are you sure he's an Indian? Oh, he's a Seminole. I found him down in the swamps in Alabama, and they're all like, "But uh, what's his name?" Oh, his name is Buford, and uh, you know, and Running he got Buford. him out there, and then he started having him run, and uh, Coach Bryant kept saying, you know, he just kept creating this. Uh, the, keep saying saying the same thing over and over and over, hoping that other people would catch on. And all oh, this is this good good Indian boy. He's just he's a real good Indian boy. He's smart too. And then he had him start running forty yard dashes, and he you hear Bryant go, "My God, look at that Indian boy run!" <laughs> <laughs> and the other coaches were like, uh, "Coach." Uh, <laughs> Do you uh, are you sure he's you know? Yeah. But this is something we saw not just in the Wild West shows. We oh, saw Lord. it in professional baseball. We saw it everywhere. We saw it in the film business. That's why the great uh, Herb Jeffries, uh, you know, had to basically be uh, subjugated to just doing black westerns. Yeah, I just want to mention one other uh, the Esquivel brothers from San Antonio. Very famous act. They were black, but again. They portrayed him as Hispanic because apparently they were they, they figured the audience would accept Hispanos, but they wouldn't ex- wouldn't accept the blacks. Well, and That's let's sad. let's look at the let's look at the period of time in history when that occurred. Yep. And and so that's exactly why that was the way it was. And, and well, the major and our great was friend and guest on the show, Larry Callies, talked about it endlessly. Exactly. And, you know, that just, it brings up an interesting thing, too, because when you think about it, these shows went year-round. In the summers, they were up north, but in the winters, they were down in the south. They, were, they didn't travel that much out west or California because of the distance and the population, but... The South was was a huge market for them. You know, they did the Louisiana Exposition. Buffalo Bill did that. Several of the acts, big big uh, was down there. Bill's. Hey, hey, let me run some more names sure. from the Miller brothers. Yeah, go ahead. And you know the names, I'm sure. If you want to comment on one of them, Lillian Smith. She was she was a 14 year old when she went to work for Buffalo Bill. It was a trick shot, hmm. and later on. Uh, she kind of fell from uh, 
out of sight, and she became Princess something or other, the Indian, shooting <laughs> Indian girl, horseback. And you had uh, Bessie Herberg, Tom Mix, Jack Hoxie, Jose Burra, Mexican Joe, that's what he was known as, Rox Heather, and as you said, Buffalo Bill, Will Rogers with, with the 101, he used to go over and visit, and he, when they were doing little local shows, he would join in. Pawnee Bill was another neighbor, and he would do the same thing. Lamar Lawson, and there's an interesting one, because Lamar Lawson, uh, there was actually, uh, they did a movie, and he was the main character in it, and let me see if I can find it here. Bunker goes through his notes with the yes. giant magnifying oh glass. Oh, here we oh, go. Oh, he sets it on fire. Here we go. It was right above, <laughs> right above you. Uh, it was uh, called, it was named Wild West Show. Oh, no, no. Where are they? Oh, here we go. The Cowboys Sweetheart, 1915, the two reel, silent, Carrion uh, Film Corporation, and Art Accord portrayed Jim Larson. Yeah. And, uh, and it, this was an actual cowboy, and they kind of took the story off of real life. And as long as we're talking movies, I'm going to talk another one because this, right. this is one you can that, that one uh, you can actually watch it. It's out there. And then this is a lost western. It's the Wild West Show. It was a 60 minute 1928 silent uh, with Hoot Gibson, and in this he played Rodeo Bill. Who was kind of a kind of a <laughs> kind of a hooter, kind of a hooter, and he, he's in town, and there's a cir- circus rodeo going on. So, so he decides to drop in on him. Okay, and he's a mischief maker. He causes all kinds of trouble and Imagine. everything in there. And and at one point, he doubles the lady and equestrian star. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, he saves the circus owner's daughter from the collapsing tent and everything lives happily ever after uh only as only the hooter can do (laughs) here's another uh b-movie actor who uh, did not get a whole lot of acclaim uh, as a b-movie actor and i think he was probably more familiar to uh folks in the wild west shows uh kenneth stanhope sanderson uh you probably well, you may or may not know him uh, as Buddy Roosevelt mm-hmm. uh, was his acting name, uh, and that got changed about 1925 uh, by some uh, director producer said, "Oh, this will be a much better name for you." This guy also doubled uh, Rudolph Valentino <laughs> and did stunts uh, for Valentino in The Shake. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he it, he's got the chops, no question about that. As far as him as an actor, uh, I'm glad he had another job. <laughs> well, you know, I want to I want to really go off base here for a moment. Uh, in 1878, Valentine T. McKillicutty, who was the Indian agent at Pine Ridge, and a fine appoint, Irish Indian agent, appointed man who carries the sword, who was also known as George Sword, captain of the reservation police force. He later became in charge of the Buffalo Bill Wild West Police Force and Chief, was with him for years. Chief, uh, what was it, Chief? Oh, well, I can't think of the name now. I had the name. Ah, it's gone. Whatever. Red Cloud? No, no. Sitting no. Bull? No, no, it's gone. 
Rain Whatever. In yeah, it's gone. Whatever. Stick in the mud? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what we're going to do. We'll do our next commercial break here. And then come. Gather the horses. And gather the horses and gather my mind, if that's even <laughs> a possible. Uh, I don't think that is possible. We're talking uh, the Wild West shows here on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts with you. We'll be back. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. You've got some cattle you want, Russell, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchman to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but blank henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Hey, this is Robert Fuller, uh, Jess Harper from Laramie, and we're listening to the Voices of the West. This is the Voices of the West. Back on Emil Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts uh, with you. Our topic for today is Wild West shows. We are streaming to you live from the White Stallion Ranch, the beautiful White Stallion Ranch located just north of Tucson. Check it out, whitestallionranch.com. They have little small dude ranch rodeos here, which we... They do. Harry filmed one of them. I did. And... They're kind of neat, and they that, are. Just gives, that kind of gives you a small-scale idea of what it was about. But Yeah, uh, Russell's uh, kinfolk were uh, participated in that. Uh, Russell's Wild West. <laughs> Russell's Wild West show. <laughs> 
That's what we'll call it. Yeah. His brother and his brother was in it. It was in uh, participating in their little rodeo that they do yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, what was his uh, sister, 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 sister or his sister. wife? She was real good. Yeah, <laughs> Russell True's Wild West show. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, this, this is kind of give you an idea of the trajectory of a career. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out Hoot because everybody loves Hoot and they know him. But in 1909, he joined the Dick Stanley's uh, Congress of Rough Riders riding bucking horses. And he was 17 years old when wow. he started, which was really kind of old for cowboys. That Congress of Rough Riders name, that came about with, uh, to, it was added on to Cody's. Later, yeah. Yeah, later. But, uh, and I no, actually earlier, because that's this, that, that was the 1800s. Okay, but it, it, I... I don't remember why they called it the Congress well, of Rough Well, because what Riders. he did it was when he was in the European tour. Oh, that's it. He he he, he brought in military uh, people from all over, different you know, yeah. Philippines. He had Hawaiian cowboys. He had a, a, a troop of uh, Japanese uh, mounted troopers. He, you know, anywhere in the world that was had famous horse Russian Cossacks. The Cossacks yeah. were real big. But if continuing on here with Scooter here. Uh, uh, he then joined the. Which what did he do? I got lost. Oh, okay. In 1912, he uh, joined Curly Eagle's Congress of Rough Riders. They liked that title a lot. Yeah. Uh, he went uh, that which went broke in Oakland. In 1912, he went to Australia, rode throughout New South Wales, Victoria, Melbourne for about four months. Uh, and then later on, he worked for Hohenbeck Wallace Circus in 30, 1937. Worked for Robbins Brothers in 1938, so you know people don't realize these guys. These guys were working, you know, even even after their careers were over or, or slowed down, they were still going out and being big attractions at the, the circus rodeos. And you can tell in the movies the way these guys would handle their horses. Oh, you knew yeah. that they knew what the hell they were doing. You know, that's an interesting point. I was watching uh, the tail end of. Uh, of a stagecoach the other night, watching the run across yeah. the desert flats there, and I'm watching the guys, and I'm watching. I said, you know, just watching them ride is a pure pleasure, because you know these guys are, you know, they're the Indians are, you know, they're they're loading and firing Springfields. Yeah, so that's a two-handed job. It is. It just you know you just and you know you just and they're just as smooth as silk. Here's another guy that uh, B movie actor Bill Cody, not any relation to Wild Bill. Uh, or Buffalo Bill, uh, Bill Cody, senior and junior. Yeah. Uh, senior, uh, born in uh, 1891. He was no relation to uh, Buffalo, uh, so they say anyway. Buffer Bill. Uh, yeah. But uh, he, he did uh, a number of Wild West shows uh, while he was still working in the silence. And uh, let's see here. I'm Oh, I lost it. The Bostock Wild Animal Circus, uh, that was in uh, around 1932 uh, that uh, Cody went back with that. And his son, Bill Jr., um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, he had a pretty good career as an actor. He did. And, and, just, and doing Wild West stuff, rodeo as well. Unfortunately, there's a, an, an addition here in, uh, in Cody's biography uh, that... Uh, is Ion Picture, The Border Menace from 1934, has been called the worst bee Western ever made. That's their opinion. I got to find that to, to find that. out because I, I don't think that is possible. Yeah, you've seen some pretty bad. <laughs> well, you know, I want, for for a moment here, I want to change 
change gears and go to the other side of the fence, the ladies. Okay. And I want to start with uh, Rose August Winger. She was an equestrian, rode in the Miller Brothers 101 Ranch Wild West show uh, in 1910 and 11. She later changed her name to Helen Gibson, replacing Helen Holmes in the Hazards of Helen's series and did hundreds of them. And she was in bunches of movies with Hoot Gibson, as a matter of fact. And she was a she was a hottie too. Yes, sir. And then here's an this is, this is this is really not that important, but I want to say it anyway. Uh, Jack Clifford was a longtime heavy and henchman, and I'm saying it because he was a henchman. There you go. Uh, his father had a booth uh, called the Grease Store that sold hamburgers and hot dogs at the Tom's uh, Tom Mix Circus. You know, nice. <laughs> so Harry nice. was a little kid. He was around it as a kid, and you just grew up into it. So. The thing that killed the the Wild West show cost movies, radio, waning interest, waning interest in the in the Wild West. Although I don't know how that could. And be. you know they also you know it's not it's not dwelled on, but they also had their fair share of tragedies. You know you had yeah. the, the Buffalo Bill train wreck where Annie Oakley was really hurt bad, real bad. You had uh, a couple of the other guys here. I can't remember which one out of hand. Of the five, one of them had a train wreck. You had business managers that would make off with all of the money and leave you broke in the middle of nowhere. Sounds like a movie there. Yeah. Well, you know, a uh, friend of mine, uh, Dan O'Hocko, this is going back to, oh, I guess, the 60s. They still do. They put together these troops. He went to Europe with a group of professional cowboys, and they were doing a Wild West show and rodeo, and they were over in, in, in Germany, somewhere around there anyway, and went broke. Yeah. And like everybody else, they had to scramble to get home. And like who went over on, on one, went over in luxury, first class, got over, the show went broke, he had no money because he spent his money. Yep. He ended up working his way back and the only thing that really saved him was uh, he, he was working in the kitchen, and he hated that, but he got real bad seasick, so then they actually they apparently had the livestock on there, so they put him up there above decks taking care of the livestock, and he said, I slept my way back on the dung heap. <laughs> well, our good friend Fel Reed had a Wild West show in Asia. Did he really? He went to, he, yeah, he not only went to Japan, he also went to China. No kidding. And uh, one of those shows, maybe both, he had on with him uh, our future guest, Phil Spangenberger, with him. Oh, they did a show together. Oh, my God. Phil's uh, done a bunch yeah, of Wild West shows, yeah. yeah. And, and it was a very interesting thing. I just want to go back to what Bunker was saying about women in the Wild West shows. This is uh, uh, one of the areas that I, I, I love to point out that women can do something just as good as men, if mm-hmm. not better, which is riding horses and shooting. Yeah. And uh, I remember, you know, I, this might be a little off track, but I remember when um, uh, Quick and the Dead came out with uh, 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 Sharon Stone and Gene Hackman and Russell Crowe and a lot of the guys that I shot with would sit there and, you know, uh, be, berate the film. And, you know, no woman could shoot like that. No, And I'd, I'd say, whenever I come across one of those fellas out, out at the cowboy shooting range, I'd 
I'd look at them and I'd listen to them and, you know, I'd give them a real uh, concerted, uh, uh, focused look of, I'm really listening to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then they'd finish and I'd say, uh, you know, I just have one question for you. Um, have you turned around lately and looked downrange? Because a lot of the gals we're shooting with in these posses are shooting faster than you and most of the other men. I don't know if you noticed that. I mean, you know, call me crazy. but um, You are crazy. You know, yeah. But, you know, so uh, these are two areas between riding and uh, gunplay that women can do just as good, if not better, than men. And I... I love it when when I hear some guy start to spout off about how it's impossible. Well, you know, I want to I want to just just a footnote to a footnote about uh, one of the things, one of the acts, or I wouldn't call it an act that Cody booked was he brought in the ghost dancers from yes. Pine Ridge. Yes, and think about that. That is just, nobody's that, got the guts to do that's anything balls. like that today. That yeah. is balls to do that. Yeah. And, well, and, and and also to bring uh, uh, Sitting Bull, who yeah. you know oh. he he had he had taken the first sculpt for Cat Custer at uh, Warren Bonnet Guards, as we discussed with uh, uh, Yellow Hand, and here he brings in uh, the architect of the uh, fight at the Little Bighorn, uh, being you know Sitting Bull, and they were friends, uh, and that's I think speaks to Cody's ability. To transcend boundaries uh, and cultures. Well, here's some interesting thing too. Here's are some of the shows that uh, made a run at it back in uh, Cody's time that ha- stood a chance but didn't quite make it. Buck Taylor's Wild West, uh, Cole Younger, Frank James, both tried to, their hand at uh, doing a Wild West mm-hmm. show, and even with their name and notoriety, they weren't successful. Now, a fellow that was successful at that time was Colonel Fred Cummins, Congress at the uh, Pan American Expo in Buffalo, New York. And with him, he had Calamity Jane, Red Cloud. You know, it's... Yeah. You know, he had a good good list there. Yeah, yeah. The, the Wild West shows were having troubles until folks from the circus came about and started getting involved in the management and I guess that was the cross cross promotion if you will uh, Barnum and Bailey and the Ringling Brothers uh, they they saw the success they saw the yeah one, they saw the, the success the potential yeah and, and the competition right and so you buy out your competition well, if you can the, the big the big show at St. Louis you know when they wouldn't let Cody participate yeah. in it and he went up half a mile away yeah, and put it up. Yeah. It was more successful than the yeah. World Fair there. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a perfect example of that. And, you know, you, and you've had, you've got other guys doing the same thing. Do either of you think that the Wild West show could come back in any form? Uh, uh, I mean, we see it we see it in rodeo to some extent, I guess. But, uh, I mean, you know, like the, the acts that we would the acts that we saw or would have seen back then, do you do either of you think that think, this could come back? I'm thinking that probably it would take some some kind of event that would just solidify and gel uh, the world's attention upon the cowboy in the West and a personality 
who could head it up and draw like you, Cody. In other words, you know, I think just to put a show together, people have done that. They're still doing it. Yeah. And and they have they have a modicum of success. A lot of them belly up. But you need the elements you need is that draw the uh, public interest in in the because that was you know that's the thing that made the Wild West shows is the public wanted cowboy wanted to you know we we need to reinvent our heritage. That's what we try to do. But we beyond us, we need more people out there saying, "Hey, let's do this stuff. Let's support this stuff." You know, like when a bad bad western movie comes out, I still try and go and see it, whether whether I, I'm going to like it or not, because if that movie is successful, somebody else is going to do it. The most popular show on television today, cable streaming, whatever, is Yellowstone. Yeah, and 1883 is not that far behind it. Right. And that tells you something there that the, the, the there seems to be some kind of change in here. They're making more westerns. They're getting more people in, and people are going. That's the main thing. People are going. Mm-hmm. Todd, what do you think? I think that Bunker's right. I think it. You know, I think if you if you if you took Wild West shows throughout the country where ranches and farms are prevalent. I think they would do well, but you're not going to make enough money there. And everybody wants a bigger audience, more a bigger audience with more, uh, shall I say, a bigger footprint and more notoriety. So they're going to try to go to the bigger towns, but um, you're not going to find it there until there's something that triggers people to have a consciousness of what this is and how much fun it is and how much it offers. And as we know, to any transaction... There's a three-step process, which is awareness, recognition, and action. And without the awareness uh, to to fire start it, to to ignite it, it, you're not gonna you're not gonna find it. And Bunker's point also is right about the Western. The Western film, when you leave it alone, it does really well. Uh, Yellowstone is the number one show, as Bunker said, and he's completely right. And 1883 is number two. Taylor Sheridan has nine shows in development. Nine. Mm-hmm. No one in Hollywood has nine projects in development. <laughs> Serious development. Steven yes. Spielberg, God bless him, and with all due respect, does not have nine projects in development. Uh, and that's now taken a step further. With all due respect, and I'm not trying to be negative, but I think it speaks to Bunker's point perfectly, is, you know, we now have this new... Uh, uh, um, uh, um, show with uh, uh, Josh Brolin um, about open range, know, open range, where you know it's got some type of uh, mysticism or aliens or alternate reality, the fourth dimension, whatever you want to call it, wherever <laughs> you want to play it, fine. But werewolves it's, of the it's west it's only on the back it's only on the backs of the success of this and hollywood as we know and i hate to say it but when they're not copycatting each other they're they're they they're no running around like monkey cowards see, monkey because, there's nothing original yeah, <laughs> yeah. so there, yeah one guy sticks, one guy sticks his toe in the water and yeah. they all condemn him for it 
And then when he finds out that the water's warm and he dives in and has a great time, they all jump in after him. And, you know, they're like those kids that aren't using their brains properly in the pool when they all jump on top of each other and, you know, somebody gets a knee to the nose. And that's what happens because a lot of these shows turn out to be duds. The perfect example is Cheyenne. Warner Brothers put Cheyenne on TV, and within 10 years, 60 or 70 percent of the television is Western. All right, we got to do our, we're way late. We got to finish up here and finish our last break. We'll be back with much more of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West right after these important messages. Stay tuned. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I Miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horses Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. 
Come right in, gents, and check your guns. You check your guns here. Not my guns. Oh, we can't make any exceptions, boys. Two gunmen are too valuable to kill each other off. I'm hungry, Joe. It's all right. Everybody else has checked. Well, you can do it, Blackie, but I'll get my groceries elsewhere. I never heard of a gent starving to death in a settlement, but I know plenty of parties has died from a bad case of empty holsters. This is the Voices of the West. of uh, Hawaiian cowboy music there. Smack guitar there. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Todd Roberts with you. Our uh, final few moments here, and uh, we're talking about Wild West shows. I want to kind of bring a little more attention to the ladies here for a second. I want Do it to quick. Cover please. some ground we've been over, but, you know, women played several roles in the show Annie Oakley was a major attraction. Another shooter, Lillian Smith, who we talked about, as a 14-year-old teen, was a star with Cody. She disappeared for a while, then reappeared in Mexican Joe and other Wild West shows as Princess Winona, the Indian girl shot. Now, Pawnee Bill's wife, Lily, May Lily, was a sharpshooter in her husband's show. At first, and at first, women rode side saddles in the shows, and then by the 1890s, they were appearing as rancheras or cowgirls. Uh, Lily was famous for her father's show as a roper and rough rider. And by the t- turn of the century, Tad Lucas was riding saddle broncs in the arena. And Tad Lucas is one of the great all-time women rodeo side uh, saddle bronc riders and just all-around cowgirl. It's a great topic, man. Huh? <laughs> it was a great topic. Yeah. I mean, you know, Todd, what do you think? <laughs> I think that uh, this is what separates us from most of the other Wild West or Western uh, Americana shows that are out there is we do shows uh, about things that are not, we don't do just movies, we don't do just rodeo, we don't do just any one genre. We take, we allow the road or the path to take us where it leads, which is really Honestly, uh, a mirror image of the West, which is uh, it took you into different parts of it was the ultimate road show, it was the ultimate road uh, adventure, which it took you places of the unknown, which some were great and some weren't, but it's nonetheless always interesting. I wanted to read a piece, uh, but we will not read have it. we don't, don't no no we, no 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 we don't have time to. For me to read this particular piece, but the headline is called "America Will Never Die So Long as It Keeps Its Cowboy." I like that. And, That's our new motto. And you know, you, you, if you're interested, you can find this uh, at a website called The Federalist, thefederalist.com. The author is Jenna Stocker, and the article is "America Will Never Die So Long as It Keeps Its Cowboy." And uh, all I can say is. Watch more westerns. I want to leave you with this thought. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Colonel Tim McCoy and Sunset Carson are the only two movie cowboys in the Circus Hall of Fame. And what does that mean? What does that tell you? That they were doggone good, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
All right. surely were. Next time we get together on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, it is our proclaimed movie and world famous movie Saturday. <laughs> world famous in our mind. Yeah, right. Famous uh, at the White Stallion. Yeah, we are legends in our own mind. We know that. Um, <laughs> I got lost in the gold mine. You did you really? Um, so uh, next time we get together, we're going to do movie Saturday, and it's going to be about wardrobe. Western wardrobe Western in the movies. Wardrobe. Ah, yes, indeed. Oh, 78, 79, and 80 old Western wild show thing, whatever. <laughs> so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. 